Tony were to call me and ask for any advice, here's what it would be. Shut up and wrestle, dude. Just put out the best product you can, and you've proven you can. Focus on that. Now, this is weird coming from me, right? The guy who challenged Vince McMahon, the guy who did all the good, gave away their finishes, right? So people are listening to this and going, yeah, but that's him. The young Tony. Yeah, yeah, what young the hell? Yeah. But here's the difference. I was actually competing with him. I was going head-to-head, real head-to-head. Like, my show started at the same time his show started each and every week. And another thing, Tony came out and says, oh, we're, you know, we're at the 1996 stage of WCW, and we're just going to not make their mistakes. Tony, you're inventing some mistakes, brother. By coming out there and, and constantly comparing yourself or deriding your competition but not having the willingness, I almost said balls, not having the willingness to say, okay, let's go head-to-head. Let's really compete. Let's see who can get whose market share. That's real competition. So I'm a little disappointed in the rhetoric that I'm hearing out of Tony, as well as some of their talent, man. Shut the fuck up. Until you're actually competing and you're actually competing favorably. And by the way, Tony, in 1996, I was kicking WWE's ass every week in a real head-to-head competition, not a cosplay competition. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. I knew it. I love when he does that. Well, once you hit rock bottom, the only way to go is up. So, so good luck. Okay? Good luck. You say rock bottom, but, like, it just seems like things keep getting worse. What What is rock bottom? Who decides what's the bottom of all this? I mean, seriously, you go, okay, today is Friday, and I woke up in Cleveland, and I'm going, how much worse can it get? Rumble, they gonna take your face off. Spirit of a lion describes my soul. Give it up to Zion, then my fire grows. Wishing of a riot inside my lobe. And my tripping is the highest when I fight my foes. If I'ma hit him with this, you about to get your ass kicked. My technique is so sick, I'm about to make the hit quick. Hold out of my soul. You don't wanna be in a tussle. Better than me, that's rubble. You want trouble? What's up though? Feeling hot, kill a top gorilla, drop a nil to pop to grill the eye. For real, your clock and yield to stop your will and shot the deal was not your ticket block. I got the hell coming your way. You softer than the thing in your play. Never competitive with a better kid of go great. Gonna be dead because I fed it to the more brave. When you wake up in the wet blood, ain't no way you about to get up. How you know that I taxed your ass cause you got the motherfucking checked up. Always gonna have to pay. Cost. When you stepping in my way, boss, when I build still and you stay soft, you're gonna punk out when we face off. Rumble, they gon' take your face off. They gon' rumble, they gon' take your face off. They gon' rumble, they gon' take your face off. They gon' rumble, they gon' take your face off. They gon' rumble, they're a young man, they rumble. Run up, get a combo, quickly help you understand, but stay humble. Don't nobody wanna talk about the way of the world, the way of the world, and make them all crumble. Then I might stumble, but I pick myself up, press myself off my thoughts of a goddamn ball. I am at their neck, like I'm Malcolm X, like I'm Dr. King, like I'm Cornel West, like I'm UEP, like I'm Booker T, like I'm Rosa Parks. I'ma need my breath, niggas know what I'm about. I'ma up in your house, get a ball in your couch, I get right in your mouth. I ain't never no cop, nigga really go south. I'ma rather go to battle whenever there is a bout. I am Muhammad, Ali, I'm here in the hummus. Policy is to be honest, I take it beyond it, though I can relate to a bonnet. So really, I hate to be ominous, only your haters too obvious. I am the hustle, the muscle, I pray for the audience I am against the knowledge If you wanna enter the ring, I would hate to be opposite Jab with the right, jab with the left, jab with the right They got them all staggering, he gon' come back With the right, back with the left, that's when he step to the side, now dagger You gon' be dead, we've been through damn, we've been down bad Till I'm like, cash is my swagger Really don't matter, part of them harder than lawless I'm arching, kicking that jargon Rumble, they gon' take your face off They gon' rumble, they gon' take your face off They gon' rumble, they gon' take your face off They gon' rumble, they gon' take your face off They gon' rumble, they gon' take your face off They gon' rumble, they gon' take your face off They gon' rumble, they gon' take your face off They gon'
living in fame. Based off the description I gave, cut the game off. I'm a street fighter, beat the brakes off like the whip on the stage. Hand out as rivers, my play haters ain't off. You get Hitler and gonna be chaos like an emerald chase when I face off in the Nicholas Cage. Yeah, I'm living in rage. Put your pussy nigga like I'm pissing his bag. I was sitting in this with a go, I'm in the back and told me never give me what they didn't. I remember them days, and I don't wanna be Batman, nigga. I'm bang. Literally, how the venom is my face. It's a little bit killer, really, but sick and burning. The more I think about it, my life was twisted. Wait, wait, wait. I'm gonna listen to my dad, I wonder why they couldn't reach you like they didn't have my number. Fuck it from my sanity, I never had the hunger. Put a nigga underground quick, that's a bone. Shock, shock, I'm like a master's brother. Better pick your battles, busters halfway yonder. In more time than acupuncture when it comes to rumbling, I'm macro thunder. Really, he be funny when I kick it to you, dummies. I'm giving in the iron, wanna rum on the mic because you're blue, big blood, like I'm kicking it with buddies. When I beat a nigga up like I was iron, nigga, Mac, I tell him. Wait till the December when I jump up and I cross Leave a nigga humble like them with any drop Cause we'll leave a rumble like Jackie and it rocks We gon' rumble, they gon' take your face off They gon' rumble, they gon' take your face off They gon' rumble, they gon' take your face off They gon' rumble, they gon' take your face off It's about drive, it's about power We stay hungry, we devour Put in the work, put in the hours And take what's ours Like in some morning, my veins My culture banging with strange I change the game, so what's my motherfucking name? What they gonna get though? Desecration, defamation. If you wanna bring it to the masses, face to face now we escalating. When I have to butt boost the asses, mean on ya. Like a dream when I'm rumbling, you're gonna scream, mama. So bring drama to the king, Brahma. Fight you with extreme mana. Thank you, brother Tech Nine. Thank you, Terramana. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 280 of the Hoots Podcast. It's Wednesday, October 20th, 2021. You, you just heard that right. It's not a double take right there. October 20th, 2021 on a Wednesday. I'm recording this a little earlier this week. Uh, life in my work is getting in the way of uh, doing my regular weekly routine. But, you know, just in life, you gotta be got to be able to adapt. So, uh, you guys are getting an early podcast release this week, and go figure, it's the 280th edition of the Hoots Podcast. The countdown to 300 continues. We are 20 episodes away uh, from reaching 300, which is really cool. So we're in October. Four months from today, we'll have our um, four months and a couple weeks added on. <laughs> Uh, we'll have our 300th episode. So, how's it going, everybody? It's just truly the fairest for Adam, aka Josh Lopez. You can follow me on Twitter at Josh Lopez Media. Hit me up at Instagram if you like, at Josh Lopez94 or at Josh Lopez Music. If you want to see me do some guitar covers, um, we got a lot to talk about today. And if you thought last week's edition of What the Hell is Wrong with AEW was fiery, just, just stay tuned. That's all I'm going to say for now. Uh, I want to give shout out to Tech Nine and The Rock and um, everybody that was part of that Face Off song you guys heard in the beginning of the podcast. I thought it was a fitting um, tune with uh, the Brock Lesnar Roman Reigns match tomorrow at Crown Jewel. And also, what's going on in the wrestling Twitter echo chamber of this stupid ass WWE versus AEW Wars? So, uh, that just fit the tone of the podcast this week. And we're not just a WWE AEW show. I'll be um, making a preview for um, Bound for Glory coming up this Saturday night. And also got um, New Japan's uh, Week 5 report. The G1 Climax Tournament is concluding tomorrow as I'm recording this on a Wednesday. So we got Okada and Ibushi in the finals. Uh, I'll be talking about that in the report later on in the podcast. So... With that being said, 
If this is your first time listening or watching the podcast, we appreciate you and we appreciate the support. All we ever ask for you guys is to, um, you know, be be yourself, think for yourself, and don't feel like uh, just because I have a different opinion for you means that I'm right or you're wrong. That's not the show that we do here. Uh, I speak from my heart. I want you to feel like I'm sitting next to you and we're having a conversation about professional wrestling. That's pretty, that's pretty simple, and the show has no filter, so we just like to express and talk loose and have fun. So uh, we want this to be a positive escape for you. If you're dealing with some mental health issues or if you're just feeling down, depressed, or anything like that, uh, hopefully the show can pick you up, make you laugh. Maybe you learn a life lesson along the way. That's the goal here that we do here at the Who's Podcast. Uh, for those who continue to support the podcast, thank you. As always, make sure to follow and subscribe on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and leave us a rating and review there. Bookmark ProSatranscriptions.com. And that's pretty much it. Uh, you guys ready to do the Good Brothers QA session? All right, let's do it. Per ritual, we're going to start off with the Good Brothers Chris Zaletta at XTeenZaletta24X on Twitter. As always, if you want to participate in the Good Brothers QA session, all you have to do is hit me up. On Twitter at Joshua Media, you can message me here on Facebook, or you can also uh, email us. It's the Who's Podcast at gmail.com. We take questions about pro wrestling, sports, music, real life. Uh, we hit all the jugglers, and this is one of my favorite segments that we do on the show each and every single week because it's my time to interact with you guys. So I want to thank uh, Chris, Sam, and Nate, aka CSN, uh, for. Um, Contributing for this week's edition of the Good Brothers Q&A session, and we're going to get started with that. So here we go. Chris Zaletta, here we go. What up, Usius? Some questions for the Q&A this week. Do you like the current work slash character from Joe Gacy? I will not say that I dislike or like uh, what's going on with Joe Gacy. I'm intrigued. I will say that. Um, I've seen a lot of wacky, crazy people uh, play gimmicks in wrestling. I mean, we could go to the hiding rights of the world, the Mordecai, Bray Wyatt, the good and the bad of these type of characters around the world. And I'm always a person that willing to give things a shot. I'm, I, I really don't feed off of first impressions because first impressions are as misleading as anything else in this life. And um, I, I like what he does in the ring. I'll say that. I like his work in the ring. I, I like the match you had with Tommaso Ciampa a couple weeks ago on NXT 2.0. But I'm not at the point right now, Chris, where I can say that I dislike or, or where I love or dislike this character that he's doing right now. Because I'm intrigued and I want to see what layers is this going to go. And you look at um, his association with Harlan now. Uh, I'm just curious to see where the next step is. And um, one thing that's really going on with Joe Gacy is getting a reaction out of people, and that's the most important thing. I think we, us as wrestling fans have been brainwashed to think that if a heel is doing a good job, that means we got to cheer for him and it's kind of this lost dichotomy of what we're supposed to put over and not put over. Like People tell me that heels suck, yet they're doing a job to get a reaction out of you. Uh People don't like baby faces anymore. It's just a weird, weird society that we're in in wrestling right now and life right now, which I just don't get. Like, you're a heel. Um, you should. 
people don't understand the aspects of what a heel is supposed to do. Yet, like they cheer for them, they they cheer for heels as if they're baby faces, and then boo baby faces as if they're heels. You know what I mean? It's kind of strange, and I feel like a lot of us try to answer our own questions and. Uh, it, it's just really weird. I wish like we could just step back and watch the shows first and assess it for what it is instead of like going for instant likes and retweets. So we got to dish out a hot take for every segment, for every promo, for every match, after every show that goes on. It doesn't matter if it's WWE or AEW or whatever. Like for someone like me who covers the industry. I look at it a little differently because I'm looking at a big picture aspect of the overall show and stuff like that. I'm not really into the the blow by blow aspects of okay, is this over? Is that over? Is that good booking? Is that is that bad booking? I really don't give a shit about that stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> like so, for me, I, I'm trying to appreciate the overall aspects of the show. Now, just just as anybody else, if you could tell that the flow of the show is bad or boring or good or whatever, that, that's fair game. But I feel like a lot of us try to do too many mental gymnastics. I've mentioned this before on the podcast. I feel like a lot of wrestling fans. They have like a fucking inspector pad with glasses uh, next to them on their nightstand and they're writing down things to dish out their next hot take because it's like I feel like not a lot of people are watching wrestling for wrestling. People are watching wrestling to get themselves over on social media. And I don't think that's cool. So next question. Would you like to see more cross-promotion work with the women? Uh, you talk about the Forbidden Door stuff. Uh, yeah, I would like to see that because there's talented women in the NWA and there's talented women on Impact that deserve an opportunity to uh, perform on AW. But again, AW has a hard time getting enough time for their own women's division, so I'm, I'm not really surprised that they don't add. They bring in people from Impact or NWA. I mean, they did at the initial stage with Thunder Rosa and Serena D, but like. There's other talented women around the world that could have a spotlight on that show. Um, here's an interesting question here. Which match are you looking forward to the most at Halloween Havoc? I got two of them, uh, Chris. I think for me, I'm really excited for, the, obviously, the main event, Tommaso Ciampa and Brock Breaker. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, a big man bumping meat match, as Big E would say. But I think also for me, I'm really excited for um, MSK – I guess Imperium for the NXT Tag Team titles. If now or never to have a title change, I think it would be right now. And I've been a big fan of Imperium since their days in NXT UK. I think they're one of the most underrated tag teams, not only in WWE, but in the entire wrestling landscape. And I think it would be really cool if they beat MSK uh, for tag team titles. Um, so I'm really excited for that match just for the transcription point of view and also Tommaso Champ and Braun Breaker from a fan's uh, point of view. All right, here's the next question. Who's winning the G1? Chris, you got to check out the New Japan segment later on. I'll answer, you, I'll answer your question there. <laughs> um, your guess is on the vignette for NXT. Uh, you're talking about the one with the grave digging one, right? Um, no one's brought this up, but I think it's Elias. I could be wrong. Um, I'll always throw that out there. I always throw out the caveat. I'm not, I don't have any sources. I'm not Sean Ross Sapp. I'm not Mike Johnson, any of those guys. I'm not Russell Votes. 
<laughs> what a weird dude. Uh, but uh, yeah, I for me, I, <laughs> I think it's Elias. Um, I'm just throwing out there. Don't be surprised if Elias is a guy that shows up. And honestly, I think Elias would be a good fit with what they're trying to do right now on Axie 2.0. So that's just me. Oh, man. <laughs> I could always count on you for the who's getting on the hot seat questions. <laughs> Here we go. How many coaches do you think will be fired at the end of this NFL season? Oh, man. Where do we start? That's the question. <laughs> uh, I'm not in the belief that Matt Nagy would get fired, though I believe he should get fired. Uh, so I'm putting him to the side. I mean, you could put Mike Zimmer on the list, um, Vic Fangio in Denver. We're, we already got one coach fired, so John Gruden, that counts at one. Uh, what a Nimrod. <laughs> that, that's a great question. Do, do you, do you uh, Chris, or anybody that's listening to this, do you feel like Joe Judge, Joe Judge of the Giants deserves to be on that list? What about – I don't – I don't know if there's any like first year. It's it's so strange to feel like oh you got to fire a uh, first year head coach right out of the gate like like what happened to um, Vance Joseph a couple years ago with the Cardinals was so crappy like that guy's a good coach yet he got fired like right out of the gate or the other guy that was there too um, I probably say like maybe three or four coaches at the, off the top of my head that could probably make the list. Um, obviously, Bill Belichick's not going to get fired, <laughs> even though I don't think he seems making the playoffs. Um, no, I think that's pretty much. It. I, we'll have to see how things go with like Mike Zimmer and those guys uh, with the Vikings. Um, yeah, it's up the air, but I have to say either three or four coaches will probably get fired this season. Oh, this is an interesting one. Is there at least 10 people in the sports media you can't stand? Well, uh, Chris, I'm glad you asked that because uh, let me roll down that list for you, my friend. <laughs> uh, I can't stand Dominique Foxworth. That's one. Uh, I can't stand Colin Coward. That's an obvious one. Uh, Skip Bayless, Shannon Sharp. That's four. Uh, Marcus Spears or Swaggy. Uh, <laughs> I can't stand him. He's so melodramatic. Ryan Clark, uh, the number one person in sports media. That I can't stand. Uh, who else? Do I want to put? <laughs> Okay, Dan Graziano. I don't know. The guy comes off as snarky. Also, Jeff Darlington, too, is a schmuck. Uh, who else? You know, I, I, I kind of like Dan Orlowski. Maybe I'll get I'll get some heat for that, but I kind of like Dan Orlowski. Um, Jason Whitlock. <laughs> That's an easy one to pick out of the litter. And then, oh, man, Steve Levy. Usually, I don't like to go off on play-by-play guys on Monday Night Football, but, God, that guy sucks. Like, I, I try to watch Monday Night Football when I came during the commercial breaks and Raw and stuff like that, but it's like I, I got to mute the commentary because it's so shitty. And I can't separate the tone levels of Lewis Riddick and Brian Greasy. They both sound the same, so I can't tell who's saying what. It's like I, I feel like that Monday Night 
football booth is so bad. That's why you notice the buzz that the uh, the Mannings were getting on their uh, live stream uh, reaction thing. By the way, it's cool that the Manning cast is coming back this weekend. Uh, I, I was starting to miss it. So <laughs> uh, those are the ones off the top of my head that I can't stand. Um, especially Ryan Clark. I can't, I can't with that dude. That guy's fucking ridiculous. Uh, so melodramatic over the top of his facial expressions. Oh, uh, let me not forget uh, Mr. Damian Woody, too, with his eye rolls and facial expressions. That, that whole get-up show, all respect in the world to Mike Greenberg, but that show fucking sucks. Uh, yeah, let me add Mike Greenberg to the list. And also Adam Shine and uh, Nick Wright can go the fuck home to stay the fuck home, too, as far as I'm concerned. Okay, next question. Who would you have liked to see in the championship eliminate tournament in AEW? Well, I would like to flip that whole thing over because, golly, you know, people want to go after the king of the ring brackets. What the fuck is this one? So we got – let me see if I got this right. We got or we got pockets against powerhouse Hobbs, right? We got – let me pull this up. Let me look at this bracket so I'm not talking out of my ass. Um, AW World Title, yeah. yeah. So we got Brian Danielson against Dustin Rhodes, Lance Archer against Eddie Kingston, cosplay Stone Cold against 10 of the Dark Order. Oh, my God. Like, really? <laughs> Let's go down this. We got John Moxley against Preston Vance, Will Hobbs against Orange Cassidy, Brian Davis against Dustin Rose and Lance Archer and Eddie Kingston. Really? Okay. Um, <laughs> th- this is what I would have done with it, okay? I would have gone with... If you wanted Brian Danson so bad to get his way to gain a title shot, I would have had Brian Danson against Lance Archer first. Have Eddie Kingston fight Andrade. Okay? We got Bay facing between guy. Andrade's not doing much on the show. Cool. Have John Moxley against Pac. How about that? John Moxie and Pac, right? And then if you needed Orange Cassidy in this thing so fucking bad. Oh my god. You know what? Just for the hell of it, do do Jungle Boy against um <laughs> Pockets for the hell of it, because they do so much running their comedy shtick. Do Jungle Boy and uh Orange Cassidy, because I can actually believe that Jungle Boy deserves to be in this title tournament. By the way, why is MJF dying in this? Uh, that's a question for another time. But um, yeah, Chris, if I had to flip it over and actually do this the right way, I would have done Brian Danielson against Lance Archer, Eddie Kingston against Andrade. Andrade would get a big victory over someone who's a name value in AEW. Then have John Moxley against Pac and Jungle Boy against Orange Cassidy. That's what I've done. I kept four people that were added. No, five people actually. 
I added three. I added three different people to World's Book First World Title Lemonade Tournament, but could this be more obvious that it's going to be Brian Danson and John Moxley? And also, don't you guys notice that Lance Archer is reaching Big Show territory? Like, how many times has this dude turned face and heel in the last year or so in AW? And honestly, can somebody tell me? I, I'm going to say that for later on with John Mox. I got a lot of stuff to say about him later on. <laughs> I can't wait to get to that segment. My God. That's a great question, though. But I, I just rebooked the World Title Eliminated Tournament for you guys. You're welcome. Uh, last question. Who do you think we'll see appear at Bound for Glory? I think I'll tell you this. I'm not really excited for the show on Saturday. I think the card sucks. Um, outside of Mickey James and Deanna Perrazzo and Josh Alexander and Christian Cage, I really don't give a fake Newton about this card. Um, you know, I could possibly see maybe uh, Bray Wyatt shows up in Impact or Braun Strowman, uh, maybe Buddy Matthews along the way. If anybody wants – uh, like to get another big name guy to become like the exhibition champion, I'll probably go with Buddy Murphy or Buddy Matthews, wherever he's calling himself. So, uh, those are the few that come up to my head. Obviously, the uh, inspiration now, as they're being called, will be making their impact debut at Bound for Glory, getting the title shot uh, against Decay for the taxi title. So, impact is pulling out of the AEW playbook. Hey, you get signed, you got released from WWE, you get a title shot, pal. Well, thank you for the questions, Chris. Uh, you did a great job this week as always, man. I appreciate you. By the way, happy belated birthday as well. Um, One second, please. As I scroll up and get the next questions. Um, next question comes from my good brother, Sam Piobo at Second City. Sam. Um. Here we go. Follow Sam on Twitter, by the way, at Second City Sam. Uh, he says, do you have a problem with how WWE has handled the Queen's Crown Tournament? Um, I, my problem is not how they handle it. It's just the timing of this. Uh, and I get it. They wanted to do it for Crown Jewel. But if you're going to do something in a tournament like this and you're hyping it up with vignettes and stuff like that, uh, I like to have it more stretched out where the winners get like a title shot at the Royal Rumble instead of having this happen in Crown Jewel. So I uh, spaced it out, added more wrestlers to the, this scenario. But for me, uh, I like the fact that Selena Vega uh, is in the finals and it's not a heel versus heel matchup. And I get everybody's upset that Shane Baszler lost somebody. But think about it. Selena Vega and Shayna Baszler. How predictable is that? <laughs> you know the outcome there. So, um, and Shayna Baszler put it on Twitter. She doesn't need a, a crown to up her ante of her resume. You know what I mean? So, uh, that would be my answer to that question. What would you tell someone like myself who can't seem to get into watching New Japan on a regular basis? Is it just not for me? Well, I think New Japan is just an acquired taste for a lot of people. I think for me, uh, New Japan is my favorite wrestling promotion in the world right now. And it's just my favorite style of wrestling. Uh, 
does it help that it is financially beneficial for me and what I do with my career? Absolutely. But that's not the biggest factor for it for me. Like news fans is my favorite promotion to cover throughout the week. And it's acquired taste. And it's made me a better transcriber. Uh, I've learned a lot of different styles of wrestling from new Japan. Um, Kevin Kelly does an amazing job on commentary and it's hard to, um, it's even hard for me sometimes to catch up with New Japan, but I try my best. I subscribe to New Japan World, so maybe it's not as easily accessible out there for people. And I think it's a shame that it doesn't get the buzz or scuttlebutt about it on social media. But there's a lot of good stuff going on in New Japan. And I, I keep telling everybody each week that New Japan Strong is one of the best weekly shows that's out there. And... And I get it. It's on a streaming platform. Not a lot of people have access to it and stuff like that, yada, yada. But um, I, 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 what I would tell somebody for uh, who's new or maybe naive to New Japan, I say give it a shot. And I always say check out the tournament shows instead of the regular uh, house show events and stuff like that because it's just a lot of tag team matches. But with the G1, oh, we got the Best of Super Juniors coming up soon. We got uh, the World Tag League, Wrestle Kingdom is down the corner. I think it's a quiet taste. Maybe it could be a casual New Japan fan where you just tune in for the big shows, you know. Um, but I would say, like, they have a lot of good action in there. They really, really do. So that's what I say. And also, if it's not for you, that's cool, too. Uh, that's another thing with uh, wrestling today. People feel like you have to like this one way and this one presentation of wrestling, whether it's AEW or WWE. And honestly, think for yourself. Cling on to the wrestling that appeals to you. And don't knock the other people who don't feel the same way about wrestling as you do. Let them do their thing. Do your own thing. You know? Um... <laughs> this is a great question. <laughs> is Tony Cott's head officially gone forever? Is it so far up his own ass we may never see it again? Uh, well, uh, I'll answer this right now, and I'll, I'll expand on this later on and what the hell is wrong with AEW. But, Sam, as far as Tony Khan's concerned, uh, I think folks uh, in Chicago I will understand this when I say this. Uh, folks, we're seeing the wrestling version of Phil Emery who used to be the general manager of the Chicago Bears. And if you know anything about Phil Embry, you'll understand why I answered the question that way. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question. What are your thoughts on Eddie Jackson trying to start beef with Lance Briggs? Well, I don't want to say Eddie Jackson's the one that's trying to start beef with Lance Briggs. And I think this is counterproductive for both him and, and Lance Briggs, to be honest with you, because this is starting to brew over a while. And all due respect to Lance Briggs and Alex Brown and Olin Krutz and all those guys from the 016 that made it to the Super Bowl. But you guys got ran over by Joseph fucking die. And for you guys to go on your high horse every single week in these postgame shows, acting like your shit don't stink. I, I can understand from Lance Briggs, the guy is worthy of being consideration for the Hall of Fame. He was a great player for the Bears, and I'm not going to knock what Lance brought to the organization. But as an analyst, he's hit and miss with me. And I want to enjoy their shows, but it's hard to listen to sometimes. I don't take anything Alex Brown says seriously because of that 
Super Bowl game. And I think the guy was overrated as a bear. And for me, a lot of those guys take personal shots at the players on the squad. And I don't think that's cool. It's one thing to point out uh, things that the players need to work on and get better. More than fine with that. But the snarky little snickery laughs and uh, passive-aggressive personal shots towards the team in these post-game shows is counterproductive for them as an analyst group as as far as credibility is concerned and also just the team as a whole. Like, we're, we're not bettering each – we're not making each other better in this process. So I think it's kind of stupid for both guys because A. Jackson is in the league and he should not be paying attention about what a bad analyst is saying on a post-game show. That shouldn't have any power on you. And A. Jackson, you need to focus on your own shit and stop worrying about what other people are saying about you. You put out a tweet before training camp that you say you take this shit personal. Well, guess what? Take your, your inner feelings and let that out on the football field and stop having people run you over like you're a fucking Fig Newton. Not a Fig Newton, uh, a damn twig. Like, Jesus Christ, tackle somebody. Have some fucking cojones. Every time they're in the red zone, God, we got somebody running through, like, skyline chili right through the end zone, right through the defense. He's like, ugh, God. What are we doing out here? So... I just think it's kind of productive with both guys right now because nobody's benefiting from this situation. And, oh, now we got away from Lance Briggs' response to Eddie Jackson on the NBC uh, Sports Chicago's football after show. Whatever. Um, next question. Top three NFL teams that you would hate to be drafted by. Oh, I love this question. This is phenomenal. Um <laughs> I'll say for me, oh, man, that's a great question. Uh, It's pretty simple. I would hate to be drafted by Cleveland Browns, Cincinnati Bengals, or probably the most inept franchise out there today, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that's that's an easy answer there. So I would not, I would not like to be drafted by the, let me flip it up, actually. I don't want to be drafted by the Jets. I don't want to be drafted by the uh, the Bengals. And I sure as hell did not want to be drafted by the Jaguars. And, by the way, since we're talking about football, I I heard this the other day, and I don't know who said it, but, like, you know what would help the Lions not be a shitty football organization? Get out of that goddamn dome and play outside like men. <laughs> Like, honestly, the Lions are so cursed with bad organizations and bad front offices and bad players and bad coaches. And it's like, when would this stuff ever end? And I've never been to Ford Field before, but just watching the games and listening to the players over the years, you can tell that the Ford Field is like the one football stadium in the world where you could be literally depressed for being there and having to play a game there. Don't you notice how shitty the Ravens played against the Lions? Don't you notice why the Lions always have close games in close games when they're at home and they have their hearts broken out? Because it's a dead ass atmosphere. Nobody wants to be there. 
It's like joking, though, like, hey, who really want to take a vacation in Cleveland? Who the fuck wants to go to watch a football game in Detroit, let alone play a football game in Detroit? Blow up Ford Field or keep it or just make a new stadium and play outdoors like you used to when you're actually a good football team back then. My God. Who are you rooting for with the remaining teams in the MLB playoffs? Um, I'm going with the Boston Red Sox. The rest of the teams can go to fuck home and stay fuck home as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I'll go with the Red Sox. Good question, though. Uh, three AEW versus WWE interpromotional matches you would actually like to see. Um, good question. Uh, I would like to see MJF uh, against Seth Rollins. As a babyface, I think that'd be cool. I would like to see uh, the Usos against the Lucha Brothers. That's the second one. And then, of course, I want to see the Tribal Chief. Tribal Chief. I want to see uh, Tribal Chief against Heyman Page. I think that'd be a really cool match. So, MGF and Seth Ross with Ross being the babyface. Usos, Lucha Brothers, and then... Um, Heyman Page against Travel Chief. That would be my picks. Uh, do you ever think a heel Jeff Hardy would work in WWE at his age? I think the age thing is just like who would work in that element of making Hardy come off as a heel? I thought of this the other day, and it's just my idea. You know, Bruce, if you're listening, you can take this if you want. But Jeff Hardy it has his history of playing music, right? And being an artist and doing stuff like that. I I'm throwing it out there. Having Hardy turn on Shisuke Nakamura during his like little routine that he does around the ring, Pat McAfee and Rick Moves would be awesome. He could do it as Willow if he wants, or a different character, but if you want to get heat on Jeff Hardy, I'd probably say have him turn on Nakamura on SmackDown. That's how you do it, okay? Number nine, uh, favorite homemade meal as a child. Pretty simple there, my man. Um, <laughs> steaks, pierogi, and um, uh, garlic bread my mom would make when I was younger. Pretty simple. Uh, steak, pierogies, and garlic bread. And, of course, salad on the side as well, too. So that would be my pick. Um Ooh, here we go. <laughs> Think about taking a trip down to St. Louis for the Rumble. Should I expect to see you there? I would like to go to uh, St. Louis. Um, I'm thinking about it. Uh, I was looking at the tickets the other day. Hopefully they don't run out soon. I've never been to St. Louis before, uh, ironically. But I'm thinking about it. I mean, if it's something where I could go there and cover the event for free and I get to be like a press box or something like that, I would go. That would be a lot of fun to do. Um, it's just a money thing, and also I'm also saving money so I can uh, pay for my trip to Dallas and for WrestleMania next year. So I don't know if you see me Don there. I, I, by the way, I love the way you wrote uh, D A H N. That's the way to say Don. <laughs> You're a good paisan. You're a good mensch, my friend. I appreciate you. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't know. I, I would love to go to St. Louis uh, for. That show, I don't know if I actually would want to be in St. Louis. I know how you feel about St. Louis, brother, uh, uh, brother Sam. Uh, it's it, the armpit of America, St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, anyways, <laughs> I appreciate you for the questions, man. Killed it as always. 
Um, all right. Last bit of questions here. We come here from uh, Nate the Great at Psycho Nagiri. Shout out to you, good brother. Appreciate you as always. Um, who's more overrated, the Bills or Sasha Banks? Uh, Sasha Banks by a landslide. Um, who would you like to see a punk at Anna Cole's first loss to be against? Great question. Uh, I would love to see MGF BC a punk's first loss in AW and also. Uh, Jungle Boy beating Adam Cole for Adam Cole's first loss in AEW. So those would be my two picks. Uh, who would you make the next X Division champion and how would we get there? Um, I would have Trey Miguel win the title at um, Bound for Glory on Saturday and then have Buddy Matthews beat him for the title at whatever next pay-per-view that they do uh, for Impact. So that would be my pick. Is it the January show that they do? It's called Hard to Kill. Is that the uh, main one that they do in the beginning of the year? Hard to Kill. I think that's the one, right? Um, all right. When's the last time you really felt fulfilled? Last question for this show this week. Um, man, that's great. That's a great question. Um, but professionally, I think for me uh, – Last time I felt like really like fulfilled was that time when I got to cover WrestleMania in San Jose. Uh, it's just like cool validation. And it was like so early in the part of my career that I wouldn't expect something like that to come my way. But um, that's definitely up there for me. Um, you know, just going to WrestleMania last year uh, uh, in Tampa was cool. Um, mostly, uh, the last time I felt fulfilled was when I was with Lauren the first time uh, a couple years ago in 2019. So that's probably my answer there personally. Um, but uh, fulfilled career-wise, I'd probably say either, um, you know, getting to cover WrestleMania in San Jose in 2015 or um, really, like, taking my stuff to the next level with my transcripts and the podcast getting over a hundred thousand downloads on anchor. Now we just surpassed 350 the other day. Uh, it's been a really cool ride the last couple of years. And I've been more and more grateful for you guys and the support you give this podcast. Cause I don't know why anybody would want to listen to the sound of my voice, but the fact that you guys care about what I had to say about this stuff really means a lot to me and Bert Carter. And we try our best to, give out a tremendous show for you guys to listen to and bring something different to the table uh, for wrestling podcasts. And I'm very proud of what the show represents and what it means to the wrestling landscape. And it's my job to make sure that I do right by you guys each and every single week. So um, yeah, those are my answers to those questions. On that note, I want to thank uh, Nate, Chris, and Sam for awesome questions this week. As always, guys, you guys kill it. Uh, as always, if you want to send me a question, all you have to do is hit me up at Twitter at Josh Lopez Media or send us an email, thehootspodcast at gmail.com. When I come back, we're going to go over what happened this past week on Raw and SmackDown and everything else around the world in WWE right here on the Hoots Podcast. Yes, sir. Uh, so, Seth, you're the only guy that within this ring comes close to matching my intensity 
comes close to matching my passion. Some might say my obsession for this. Close, but not quite. Not yet. Now, are, are you edge light? No. No, you're not, man. I can admit that. I was wrong. You are decidedly your own man. You are Seth freaking Rollins. Seth loves that. But because of that, because of that, I gotta end this. Because if I don't, our families continue to be affected by this. Now I could go to your house. I could have a chance encounter with Bex. I mean, heaven knows we have some history, but I'm not gonna do that. You see, I am gonna channel it. I am gonna change the look in your eyes from this point forward. I am gonna leave you a husk of the man that everyone sees now. See, Seth, a few weeks ago, you said that you felt sorry for me, and that would be a mistake because you never feel sympathy for a devil, and that's what we are. And I damn sure won't hesitate before I put you down under my boot. I had my moment of doubt and pain. It's done. I will not hesitate. I will not have a second thought about it. So it's fitting that this trilogy, that our story ends in Hell in a Cell. So Seth, I know you're watching. I want you to lean in real close. I want you to listen closely because what I am about to say is a blueprint for your future. In Hell in a Cell, I am going to scar your soul. And that is a scar that you never, ever heal from. Welcome back, everybody, to the Who's Pockets. Ready to talk about what happened this week in WWE. You just heard a clip right there from Seth, uh, not from Seth Rollins, from Edge. Talk about Seth Rollins as they prepare for their Hell in a Cell match at Saudi Arabia at Crown Royal coming up manana as I'm recording this on a Wednesday. Lots to talk about really quick. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on Raw SmackDown this week. Uh, I really wanted to spend most of it talking about um, predictions for Crown Jewel and then uh, do some little preview for NXT UK, obviously, and Halloween Havoc next week. But um, let's start backwards as we always do with uh, what happened on SmackDown. On uh, Friday night, uh, SmackDown was in um, what, what city? Oh, they're in Ontario. Yeah, they're in Ontario, California. Uh, last week, I thought Seth Rollins and Edge's promos were really good. Uh, I, I said it last week. Their, their program is one that definitely should not be sleep, slept on as the years go by. It's one of those. Best case scenarios where you have a veteran guy and a current mainstay guy where both guys have benefited from this feud. 
Obviously, both guys are going to Raw following uh, Crown Juice, so who knows how long this will continue. But honestly, it makes sense that this would conclude tomorrow inside Hell in the Cell, which it should. And uh, I really like the, the the dynamic with Edge and Seth Rollins since this thing started at Money in the Bank. And they had the killer match at SummerSlam. I said it's one of the best SummerSlam matches of all time. Uh, the match that they had at MSG was really cool. And now we wrap it up. Uh, awesome story at Hell in the Cell uh, tomorrow. So it's definitely one of the matches I'm looking forward to the most uh, tomorrow. It should be an awesome uh, show. Um, we had Finn Balor and Sami Zayn in the semifinals of the King of the Ring tournament. Um, we had Finn Balor winning that match against Sami Zayn. Very, very good match. Uh, we had also, we saw Selena Vega beat uh, Carmella thanks to help from uh, Liv Morgan. Mama mia, you want to talk about Warfall? <laughs> Liv Morgan wins the Warfall Award this week. My God. Holy moly, donut shop. Then we had um, Sony Deville uh, bringing Shane Baszler to beat AOB in a 2 on 1 handicap match. Uh, like I said last week, that match is not going to happen as a 1 on 1 match. That, they're building that thing out, and uh, Naomi will give uh, Sonya her receipt very, very soon. Uh, so. Decent progressive stuff there. Um, what else? They did a lot of video packages throughout the show, hyping up some of the new people that are coming to SmackDown, like uh, Drew McIntyre and Sheamus and Charlotte Flair, uh, the New Day, obviously. Uh, so SmackDown's getting a lot of big name guys uh, and girls on the roster, and she should be curious how that goes. Um, the Uso Street Profit Street Fight match for the uh, tag team titles was really cool. I thought this was a nice setup for the Street Profits with their run on SmackDown. And the Uso is still one of the best tag teams in the world. So I was not surprised that they uh, retained there. It was a very, very good match. And then uh, the last two things we need to talk about is obviously uh, for the Super Size SmackDown uh, was Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks. And now you guys know me. I've been... Very, very critical of Sasha Banks and her fan base over the last couple months of this podcast. But I'm a man of my word and I always get credit where credit's due. Uh, I thought Becky and Sasha had one of the best TV women's matches of the year uh, so far for WWE uh, last Friday. And it was a very, very good match. Uh, Bianca Belair did a fantastic job on uh, commentary. Sasha Banks... One with the backstabber to beat Becky Lynch. And uh, very curious to see how that goes down. This is a big triple threat match taking place on um, Crown Jewel uh, tomorrow. And then obviously this will close up with Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. Another uh, swerver Brock's like, I already read the damn contract this morning with my advocate, Paul Heyman. And they aired a video package earlier in the show, which was really cool from like a context and storytelling aspect. Um, everything that's going on with Brock Lesnar and the trial team has been awesome. So I, I thought SmackDown was really, really good. You know, even with the going for two and a half hours and all this minutia about the ratings and stuff like that. And um, I, I, I thought it was a really, really good show for SmackDown this week. Um, I thought Raw this week was a little bit better than last week's one. Uh, I'll say that for sure. Um, we started off with the Xavier Woods uh, Jinder Mahal match. Uh, in the semifinals, Steve Woods will be taking off Finn Balor at uh, Crown Jewel. 
We'll figure out how that goes. Uh, they had a loophole where we thought we were going to have Austin Derry uh, against uh, R-Truth, but it ended up being Austin Derry against Jeff Hardy. I thought it was a good match. Uh, glad that they gave him more time than it was last week, and it wasn't as much shenanigans with the 24-7 title. Um, but, you know, Austin Theory continues to pick up momentum, but um, I'm very curious to see what happens next with Jeff Hardy that is going to um, SmackDown. Um, one of my favorite matches of the show this week for uh, for Raw was Biggie and Drew McIntyre against the Dirty Dogs. It's not a very good tag team match. Um, we had... Uh, probably my favorite part of Raw this week was the Mansoor promo towards uh, Mustafa Ali after uh, his match was over with Cedric Alexander. If you guys haven't seen it, go out of your way to check it out. I, I just love the fire that came out of him. Obviously, it's a big match for both Mustafa and uh, Mansoor. Uh, I think it's the first time ever that two Muslim superstars are fighting each other on a pay-per-view. And I think that's pretty cool to see, you know. And... Um, I just love the fire seeing that from Mansoor. You can cut a promo. He's good in the ring. You guys will see it on um, tomorrow on Crown Jewel. But uh, I, big props to Mansoor. I always talk about it on a podcast that when you're on TV, even if you're not like the big main guy and you're stuck in the shuffle or you're in the big card, you got to maximize your TV time. And that's an example right there. I thought Mansoor did that. It was a very, very good promo. Um we had Bobby Lashley Goldberg's interview. I thought what Goldberg had to say, but I don't know. Last couple of weeks, like, you could tell Lashley without MVP. It just comes off more like he's trying to remember lines and stuff like that. Like, I, I still dig Bobby Lashley. I think he's cool and all. But you look at this interview that they did, uh, like, the face-to-face picture-picture stuff. I just thought Lashley came off very scripted in this match. Uh, not this match, the interview segment. So I wasn't too crazy about that. Uh, Randy Orton and Matt Riddle against the Street Profits. Good match. And then uh, Shayna Baszler. What a, I mentioned earlier, like, you're not going to have heel versus heel for Queen's Crown Tournament. This just wasn't going to happen that way. Um, and then obviously, of course, the main event was uh, Charlotte Flair and Bianca Belair for the Royal Women's Championship. This match was phenomenal. You know, just like you thought Becky and Sasha was fantastic, this one was as better, as good or even better. Now, I understand. People don't like DQ finishes. And I, I thought this is the moment that Bianca was going to get the title away from Charlotte. I don't know why they decided they wanted to do that. But there has to be a big reason. Maybe Charlotte appears on Raw next week. Um... To gloat or whatever, um, and maybe they swap sides. I don't know. I, I maybe it wasn't this opportunity to get Bianca the title there on Raw this week, but I thought it was a good match, and I thought Charlotte um, gave a hint to it in her promo earlier in the show, where she's like, "There's still some things you got to learn along the way," and it run with the angle of Bianca being a rookie. So I understood why they did a DQ finish. So. I don't want that to take away from the awesome match because it was a really, really, really good match. And it also shows you how desperate Charlotte is to keep her championship. And that's how it goes sometimes. Um, all right. Let's make some predictions for uh, Crown Royal coming up tomorrow. Uh, I say Selena Vega will become your Queen's Crown Tournament champion. I have Xavier Woods beating Finn Balor in an upset I got Mansoor being Mustafa Ali. Edge will beat Seth Rollins. 
Uh, Goldberg will beat Bobby Lashley. I got Big E retaining over Drew McIntyre. I got uh, RK Bro retaining against AJ Styles and almost. I got Sasha Banks winning the SmackDown Women's Championship. And then, of course, the Tribal Chief, one way or another, will find his way to retain over Brock Lesnar. Paul Heyman will screw Brock Lesnar over at Crown Jewel. And <laughs> it's very, I'm very curious to see what the match placement of this show is going to be. Um, I, I'm just being the lookout for that. I'll just say that. Uh, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. I think Paul Heyman finds a way to screw Brock Lesnar over like he did at Survivor Series 2002. So, yeah. Travel Chief retains uh, for the Universal Championship at Crown Royal. I'll have that coverage for you tomorrow on ProStateTranscripts.com, so be on the lookout for that. Okay, um, before we wrap up this segment, I want to uh, talk really quick about NXT UK and um, Halloween Havoc coming up uh, next Tuesday. For NXT UK tomorrow, um, we got Jordan Devlin against Joe Coffey too. That's going to be an awesome rematch for the Barnburner they had a couple weeks ago. Um, I think they also mentioned that um, Symbiosis, yeah, they'll be having a tag match with Jack Stars and Dave Massive. That's going to be an awesome match. By the way, if you guys have not seen Ilya Dragunov in the A-Kid for last week's ACUK Championship match, go out of your way to watch it. It was a phenomenal match. Phenomenal match. Like, I can't put it over enough. AK is a very talented performer. And I really hope once things simmer down with COVID and everything is that I really hope those Worlds Collide shows come back because the fancy book in my head of some of these like NXT UK matches against NXT or SmackDown or Raw, like I just have a whole I, I do think about this a lot of like what I would do fancy booking wise with like match cards and stuff like that. I, I think I'd be, I think if I was in wrestling business, I would be a really good matchmaker. Now, when it comes to like who goes over who or stuff like that, I have to learn with the time. But I think honestly, for me, this was my experience of doing the transcripts and stuff like that, and this my field of professional wrestling. I don't know how you guys feel, but I think I would be a really good matchmaker for any promotion that was willing to give me the opportunity. And I want to learn about that. And that's, you know, I had people ask me, what what would I want to do if I worked in wrestling? I've had people ask me if I wanted to be a writer. Um, I mentioned it. I wanted to be the next JR or whatever on commentary. But for me, if I had the opportunity to be a matchmaker in that sense of having the pencil, I would jump at that in a heartbeat. I think I'd be really good. I think I'd do a really good job with it. So, um, yeah, that's that's for tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow for NCUK, and then uh, Tuesday we got a Halloween Havoc special on the USA Network, uh, hosted by LA Knight. We have MSK against Imperium for the NXT Tag Team Championships, and then also we got Eel um, Shirai and Zoe Stark putting their NXT Women's Tag Team titles on the line in a scareway to Hell ladder match. Against Toxic Traction and Indy Hartwell and Persia Parada in a, yeah, like I said, a triple threat ladder match. Uh, that should be crazy. Uh, I look to see possibly Toxic Traction could become the new champions, but let's see how that plays out. Um, 
Also, we got Raquel Gonzalez for her NXT Women's title on the line against Mandy Rose. That should be a lot of fun. And then, of course, we got uh, the main event, Tommaso Ciampa and Brock Breaker for the NXT title. So, a highly stacked edition of NXT coming up this week. Uh, not this week, but uh, coming up next Tuesday. So, be on the lookout for that. And, um, yeah, folks, that's what happened this week in WWE. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be my last and final update of the G1 Climax Tournament. It's week five of Joshi's New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax 31 report. It's brought to you by ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. And we're down the wire, folks. Tomorrow, Kota Ibushi and Kashuchika Okada in the finals of the G1 Climax Tournament. Abushi making his, third, his fourth consecutive appearance in the finals. This is Okada's first since 2017, I believe uh, Kevin Kelly said today. Kota Abushi and Okada. A marquee match anywhere in around the world. These guys have fought each other in the past. Some epic, epic matches with Abushi and Okada. And I expect tomorrow to be no different. Uh, we're at the Nipcon Budokan. Uh, we had the A block finals and the B block finals uh, this week uh, since I last spoke to you. And Abushi uh, beating Keta in a phenomenal match on uh, Monday it was tremendous uh, to close out that part of the tournament. Then, of course, um, today we had Okada beat Jeff Cobb in another really good counterfest style match. And uh, Okada found a way to beat. Jeff Cobb with the Rainmaker to make it and make him the winner of the B block this year. I just want to give a couple shots really quick uh, as we wrap up this update. But this has been a lot of fun covering the tournament. Like I said, this is my fifth time covering the G1. Um, a lot of fun, a lot of work, obviously. And, um, you know, the grind with New Japan doesn't stop because, like I said, we got the World of Power Struggle coming up. We got. The, the tournaments, the best of the Super Juniors, and then the World Tag League coming up too. But I just wanted to say that, like, shout out to Kevin Kelly and everybody that's made this process easy for me. Uh, Chris Charlton, obviously, as well. Uh, their concerts really helped me out when it comes to, like, called out moves and sequences and stuff like that. And they really have helped me uh, enjoy this experience of covering the G1. Um, I always say without Kevin Kelly, I would be lost when it comes to... New Japan Pro Wrestling, so I want to give a shout out to him. Um, I want to give a shout out to a couple of performers as well who done some really good matches over the last couple of days. Um, Hiroki Goto and Tamatango was fantastic today. Uh, same thing with uh, Taichi and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, Sonata had to deal with a lot of the evil shenanigans today, which is unfortunate. Uh, but I thought the beat block uh, closed off really, really good uh, this week, and then. Um, there was a couple of shenanigans with the A block show. Um, uh, Shingo lost to the double count out with Yujiro. Um, Yano upset Ishii. That that actually did upset me. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> we also had uh, a really good match with uh, Zack Saber Jr. and Tangaloa. Tangaloa with the probably the biggest upset of the tournament so far this year was uh, him beating Zack Saber Jr. I mentioned it on the podcast that Tagaloa would cost Zack Sabre Jr. the G1 this year. So, um, that was a good match. So, overall, man, like, 
this has been a lot of fun. I really hope you guys have enjoyed or liked the G1 covers that I've done so far. I hope it's been um, informative and uh, useful for you uh, as you catch up with the tournament. Even if you haven't been able to watch all the shows, I hope uh, my coverage of the G1 has helped you out along this pathway. And tomorrow's uh, the end of the G1. And um, it was a lot of fun. I had a blast. I always have a blast uh, covering the G1. I always have a good time talking about New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I want to express my thoughts about New Japan Pro Wrestling with you guys. And um, just talk about it because it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a fun promotion to cover. Uh, you know, I have this. Some people like to lump in me just saying that I'm a WWE guy because I'm critical of AEW. But... I'm a wrestling guy. I cover every wrestling promotion that's out there that I can within the time and stuff like that. And I, 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 I really care about what I do with my career and my coverage. And I love New Japan. I love wrestling. I love pro wrestling. And it's always a blast. And I'm always reminded that when I do cover uh, New Japan events, no matter if I'm getting next to no sleep, it's worth it. I bust my ass and I try to make sure that the coverage is for you to understand what's going on with their product. And I hope I do a good job with this. So I just want to say thank you. Um, with that being said, that's my final report for the G1. As far as who I have winning the G1, going back to the question for Chris earlier in the show. I believe Abushi will win the G1 for the third consecutive year in a row. I think Ibushi will win. We'll finally get that long-awaited dome match with him and Shingo Takagi at Wrestle Kingdom 16. I think Ibushi beats Okada at the Nippon Budokan tomorrow in an epic match. That should be a long match, obviously. I don't know the rest of the card uh, for tomorrow, but I'll have that card for you tomorrow at ProStateTranscriptions.com. And I have Ibushi winning the G1 again uh, this year. All right, really quick before I get we get to our main event seven, I want to go over the card really quick for Bound for Glory this Saturday in Las Vegas. Um, we have Heath, uh, probably Heath and Rhino probably take on Violet by Design. Uh, Decay take on the Inspiration for the Impact Knockout Tag Team Titles. Uh, Trey Miguel against Steve Macklin and El Fantasmo, a uh, triple threat match to crown a vacated Exhibition Championship. We have the Call Your Shot Gauntlet Battle Royal, and the winner of that match could evoke any time within a year of a championship match of their choosing. Uh, Deanna Parras will put the Impact Knockouts uh, title on the line against Mickey James. Uh, we have the six-way match for the Impact Digital Media Championship. It's John Schuyler against Crazy Steve, followed by Jordan Grace, Chelsea Green, and either Alicia Edwards or Tennille Dashwood. So be on the lookout for that. And then obviously the main event for uh, Bound for Glory this year is Christian Cage against Josh Alexander. So a big pay-per-view coming up for uh, Impact this uh, coming Saturday. Obviously it's their biggest show of the year. So um should be a, a interesting show to say at least. I, I'm not really crazy about this car. I think there's a lot of different options. The fact that Eddie Edwards is not booked for a match. It's kind of ridiculous. The fact that Kenny Omega is not on this show is ridiculous. Um, there's just a, I think Impact has done some good stuff with their shows and some crappy stuff too. 
Um, and there's next to no buzz for this pay-per-view on Saturday, which is not a good thing, especially with your biggest show of the year. But I just want to say, uh, Bob for Glory, I'll have cards for that as well this weekend on ProWrestlingTrashCreatures.com. So go check it out. On that note, <laughs> it's time to give the people what they want, what they've been waiting for. Oh boy, this is going to be interesting. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time once again for another brand new edition of What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. We're going to start this off in a three, two, one. Justin Roberts, you can dress up like Miami Vice, but you can't do your job? You can't announce me as I come out to the ring for my match against Darby? Are you kidding me? You know what, Miami? I'll do it for them. Ladies and gentlemen, just in case you are deaf, dumb, blind, stupid, or by the looks of it, very poor. Hailing from the most magical place in the world, Plainview, Long Island, New York, weighing at a schvelt 226 pounds, he's better than you, and you know it, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, MJF! It's time for... What the hell is wrong with AEW? Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome everybody to What the hell is wrong with AEW? AKA, what isn't wrong with AEW? Before I go into this, I want to say that if I get blackballed from AEW following this segment this week, I'm more than okay with that. Because there's just things in time in life where you need to call a spade a spade. And just call how things are. You guys heard the clip in the beginning of the podcast from Eric Bischoff. And uh, 1 minute and 36 seconds encapsulates what I've been saying on this podcast since we started this segment last year. And what this segment is supposed to represent. And what we try to approach here. From our point of view. Now for those who are listening to this. And you're an AW market. You think they do no wrong. And they're the greatest thing that's ever lived. I want you to understand that. I'm allowed to talk on my show. On my own platform. And to express my own opinion. As someone who spends more time on AEW than you do, I'm more in line and entitled in my own light to speak on what I like or dislike. Now, listen to what I just said there, what I like and dislike from AEW. So before you get into my comment section, before you dislike my video, before you send subtweets on Twitter, because I see it, I'm not stupid, I want you to understand that I speak for myself, and I am within my own rights on my own podcast to say what I feel for me. 
I'm not speaking for anybody. I'm not trying to defend anybody. I'm not talking about WWE. When we do this segment, we're having a conversation, a full-length conversation about AEW. That's what this segment is. And if you're too mentally weak to understand that or grasp that, I can't help you. If you're that insecure and you can't grasp the concept that somebody may not like your favorite wrestling show or your favorite owner or your favorite booker, understand that I have my opinions, you have yours. The problem that we have here, what we clash here, is that you AEW fans feel that you're on such a high box and you're so above every wrestling fan because you feel AEW is the right way to book and present professional wrestling. So if anybody has a different opinion of you, and if they don't like AEW for what they present, oh, they're WWE mark. Oh, they're this, they're that. People are allowed to speak for themselves. I speak for myself on this podcast, and I, I what I say represents myself. Okay? With that being said, I'm going to get into what happened on Dynamite this week. I'm going to talk about what's going on this weekend in Orlando. And then I'm going to get into Rick Moranis talking out of his ass again for the fifth million time in the last couple months. So with that being said, I'm not holding anything back. I'm not taking anything back that I say in this segment. And if you're offended by what I say in this segment, that's on you. Be offended. I don't... Give a fuck, okay? So, here we go. What what the hell is wrong with AEW? What isn't wrong with AEW? Let's start off here. We have, so let's, let's, let's get to the positives, shall we? So we can satiate this audience here. I really did the Malachi Black match with Dotsie Martin. I thought it was really cool. I also did the Brian Danson match with Suzuki on the Countdown Show. By the way... Uh, for somebody like myself who covers Impact, New Japan, WWE, and AEW, with all the stuff that I cover, I still found a way to cover that countdown preview show on YouTube that they did last Friday because we got to have an AEW-WWE war, right? If I hated AEW that much, why the fuck would I cover that YouTube show? I didn't get paid for it. I don't get paid to get to cover Dynamite. I don't, I don't think you guys know that, right? I get paid zero bucks for coverage of Rampage or Dynamite. I get paid for Dark, and I get paid for Elevation. By the way, two shows that I cover each week as well. I spend, throughout the week, more time coverage-wise on AW than I do the WWE. Think about that. I spend more time covering AEW than I do WWE. So I'm within my rights to speak whatever the fuck I want to say. Okay? I like the Brian Dancing match with Suzuki. I thought that was awesome. Same thing with Malachi Black and Dante Martin. That was really, really good. Um, let's get to the crap, though. Because it can't be AEW without crap, right? So, we have CM Punk on commentary again. I'm happy my favorite wrestler is back on TV, but he is serving no purpose to their show right now. Instead of like, hey everybody, we got CM Punk! We got CM Punk! And then what? And then what? Okay, this week, 
on Rampage, CM Punk is gonna fight Jet Parker. CM Punk is gonna fight Hook. CM Punk is gonna have a match with Evil Uno. CM Punk will have a match against Coke Man. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Never mind. Never mind. Well, that's another topic for another time. CM Punk is gonna have a match with Jake Hager. CM Punk is gonna have a match with. I don't know, the Blade, the Butcher, the Candlestick Maker, the Running Lip Man, Pockets, Jungle Boy, Stunted Growth, Dino Douche, all of them, and do nothing of consequence on this broadcast. I'm happy seeing Punk is there. But to have the notion of a guy who claimed to be the best in the world mingling around with fucking mid-card guys and doing commentary every other week where basically they have CM Punk in the position they had Chris Jericho in when he first showed up to AEW. It's fucking mind-boggling to me from a business standpoint. I'm not telling you you gotta put CM Punk in a title picture right now. I mean, hell, you'd be more entertaining, more interesting as a world champion than Kenny Olivier. I'll say that. But CM Punk... Oh, we got to play the hit. We got it's like AW plays the hits for the dirt sheets. Oh, here's CM Punk. Uh, You know, he's not wrestling. You get the whole entrance and everything. You get Adam Cole. You get his entrance and everything. But when it comes down to the in-ring action and the storytelling on the show, that's where everything else is the wild, wild west. So we'll play the hits so we get the pops from everybody. And that brings that perception of, oh, AEW is so much fun. AEW is the cure for wrestling. AEW is the greatest thing that's ever happened. It's the greatest, guys. I can't, I can't believe it. I, I'm compulsing here because AEW is the greatest show that's ever existed. It's, I can't believe anybody can tell you that AEW sucks. I, how can anybody ever feel that AEW does nothing wrong? Right? <laughs> right? So, I already trashed the feel for the Eliminated Tournament earlier in the Q&A session, so I'm not going to repeat that. But, let's get into this. Dark Order against SuperClick in a Tony Khan special trios match. And who's the referee? Oh, yes. It's everybody's favorite. The Dead Quartz ref. Yes, Rick Knox. Oh, God. Where where do I even start? If you've seen one Young Bucks match, and I say it every week, if you've seen one Elite match or Super Click, whatever the fuck they want to call themselves this week, you've seen them all. You've seen all of them. So we have the Dark Order against the Super Click. For no other sense of just, just have a tumbling routine. I'm not going to rag on Adam Cole. He, he wants to be there with his friends and his girlfriend or power to him. I'm not going to take personal shots. And I don't really take personal shots on anybody on this roster. Because that's not what I do here. But I am going to call a state when I say something's useless and a waste of time. And honestly, nothing that's gone on with him or Brian Danielson has surprised me. And I said it on the SD Network too. That when... Brian Danson was going to come to AW. He was going to get rushed into the top program. And then he would have Christian Cage and the fucking Jungle Express by his side. When I said that Adam Cole would show up in AW, he would play seventh fiddle in the fucking elite. So tell me where I've been wrong with both guys. Don't get wrong. Big signings. 
Adam Cole getting the big pops. I love Adam Cole. He's a great dude. I I'm, I don't I don't have a, a bad thing to say about Adam Cole. He's one of my favorite wrestlers. But again, is this really maximizing his potential that he has to wait what a year and a half before he gets to the title picture? Because we gotta bring the elite back together. The elite, yes, the elite, the elite, the greatest thing in wrestling ever. The elite. So. Dark Order and Super Click in a fucking tumbling routine where we make the referee look stupid. Nobody knows who the fucking legal man is. We got shenanigans on the outside. We got shitty commentary in the background because we can't catch up with the action. Uh, JR is useless. Shivani is a fucking shill on the on the announce booth. Excalibur, I'm kind of liking Excalibur now, so I'm not going to rag on him. And then Punk is there. Listen, I just said that. CM Punk is an AW, and I already have the feeling. It's, this is my favorite wrestler. CM Punk is just there. It's nothing of consequence. I watched the show. There's nothing of consequence because, as much as they like to tell you that wins and losses matter in AW, they're full of shit. Preston Vance in. The AEW World Title Eliminated Tournament because he beats fucking jobbers on Dark and Elevation. You, you know, maybe you could get that stuff and, and you know, the Sean Ross Sasson world and all these other people give people, uh, give AEW a pass for that. I don't. I watch every show that they do. You can't, you're not going to fool me, AEW, because I'm the one person in the wrestling media that's going to call you out, call your bluff. Because everybody wants to throw bouquets at you, throw you flowers, and say you're the greatest thing ever because you're a new company and you have money attached to you. But you guys are no different from what TNA's done in the past and every other organization since the end of the Monday Night Wars. You're nothing different. You're nothing unique. So let's have an update on cosplay Stone Cold since John Moxley's in the tournament and so he's a heel now, I guess. I, I keep mentioning over the last couple weeks, oh, John Moxley's like super moody, super moody Moxley all the time, you know? And I don't know where they're going here, but do you really give a shit whether John Moxley turns healer or not? Let me ask you that question. Do you care if John Moxley turns healer or not? I don't. I'll tell you right now, I don't. So, John Moxley's getting the eliminated tournament. He'll beat Press Advance. And then we get John Moxley against Pockets on his way to fight Brian Danielson. So, here we go. John Moxley coming out with a new book. Let's turn him heel, pal. Let's turn him heel. Let's, 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 let's flip the script here and talk a little more positive stuff here before I get to what everybody really wants to hear. I love... Two performers from AW and two things that keep me out from having the actual fifth of a fuck on this program is Jay Cargill and MJF. I think Jay Cargill is a star. And she could be a megastar if done the right way. I like her presence in the ring. I love her promos. The look, obviously, of course, she fits all descriptions in the waterfall category. But her look and her facial expressions in the ring and how she expressed herself and all that. You want to talk about it? It's Jay Cardgill. 
And I, she has something that a lot of the women in that company did not offer. And she is superstar from hands down. And I think she has the ceilings not even high enough for Jay Cargill for what she could do. And honestly, I think she's the one who should be the inaugural TBS Women's Champion. I really do believe that. Then, we have MGF. The best performer on the show, yet you not, you're not realizing based on where he's placed on the show. And I'm watching this promo. You guys heard a bit of it there uh, before we started the segment. And I'm trying to enjoy the, one of the few things I actually like about AEW, right? I love MGF. I like Hangman Page. I like Darby Allen. I like Jungle Boy when he's not around the Jungle Express. Uh, I like the Lucha Brothers. I like FTR. I like Ricky Starks. I like Wardlow. I mentioned this stuff and it'll go over people's head because oh, all Josh does is trash on AEW. All Josh, he hates AEW because he's taking steam away from the WWE. By the way, we're about like, what, 10 or 12 minutes into the segment. Have I mentioned anything about the WWE in this segment? Yeah, crickets. That's what I thought. So, one of the few things I like about AEW is at Jeff. He's the best promo guy that they have on that show. He's the best heel on that show. He's one of the best heels in professional wrestling. He's one of the best performers in professional wrestling. And he's also one of the best in-ring performers in professional wrestling. The guy's a star. I try to hear his promo, and he's trying to play mind games with Darby Allen. And what do I hear in the background? Tony Schiavone with sneakery comments every three or five, four seconds. Cut the mic off. You got your top performer on the mic cutting a fucking promo, and he got a fucking sycophant in the background. We get the point. Of course, we understand that the match is not booked with Darby Allen. He's a heel. You want to go on that fucking diatribe soliloquy? Do it after he's done with the promo. All the like snickery comments, like somebody cut his damn mic off. Picture Stone Cold Steve Austin cutting a promo, or Triple H cutting a promo during the Attitude Era, and having big green sound effects in the background, where you can bear, where. When your announcer is over-talking one of your best performers on the mic, you have a problem. Stuff you won't hear on Fightful. Stuff you sure as hell won't hear on The Observer because that's the fucking creative team for AEW. Nobody wants to admit it, but we call it Spade Spade here on the Hoots Podcast. So, we had the main event. Brian Danielson and Bobby Fish. Just a match. Did nothing for me. Brian Danson won. Whoopity do. Rampage this week. We got Britt Baker against Anna J. That should be an interesting match. By the way, Britt Baker, another performer I like from AEW. You, you hear that, right? You guys hear the stuff I do like about AEW? But no, nobody wants to mention that, right? Anna J. Another one I like. We have Pac and Andrade. Number two. That should be awesome. And then, um, what was the other match they announced for um, Rampage? Oh, Hobbs and Orange Cassidy. 
the Eliminate Tournament match. Uh, so that's Rampage. And then Dynamite uh, on Saturday in Orlando is... Um, excuse me. It's uh, Brian Danson against Dustin Rhodes. Eddie Kingston against Lance Archer, which should be pretty good. And then um, Malachi Black against Cody Rhodes, part three. Cody Rhodes goes back to the training center of the Nightmare Factory. And <laughs> I guess Arms trying to give Cody tough love. I guess that's the stick they're going for here with this angle. Um, it's not for me. I really don't care what's going on with Cody Rhodes. And um, this brace yourself, everybody in Orlando, if Cody Rhodes beats Malachi Black. I'll just say that. <laughs> so there's your preview for Dynamite and Rampage. Uh, coming up on Friday and Saturday. So, let me get to this. I want to like Tony Khan. I really do. I really do. I want to. I want, believe it or not, as much as we do the same and all the stuff in between, I want AEW to succeed. I really do. I want AWC and be a promotion that doesn't do the stuff that TNA did in the past or WCW or etc. I want AW to be sustainable. But we're not going to get to this point unless the promoter, booker, general manager, whatever position he holds in this company, just doesn't get his head out of his ass and stops acting like a fucking mark. What he did on Tuesday, dancing around, marking out, and just losing his mind over a report from Wade Keller, an owner, booker, and all that in professional wrestling, marked out from a ratings report from Wade Keller. I want you to think about that. And ask yourself, is this a, a grown man? Is this a somebody of leadership or a fanboy? I mean, how, how many times do I have to cut it and say that Tony Khan comes off more as a fanboy than he does a promoter? Just because you have money and just because your dad owns the Jaguars and has all this money doesn't make you a promoter or any of that. Yeah, Point Dexter was a subscriber of the Wrestling Newsletter for 25 years. But for him to say that he's smarter than Ted Turner and all this shit he was talking about WWE, and I already went over that stuff last week, and everything that's going on right now with this back and forth stuff about ratings, the fact that he cherry picks a particular metric as to reasons as to why he's succeeding in this cosplay war, as Eric Bischoff brilliantly said uh, the other day. It's just mind-numbing to me, because the more and more Tony Khan pumps up his chest on social media, and he talks about WWE nonstop and, and stuff like that, I ask. I I feel like we lose more and more IQ points as the days go by when he does that. I really do. 
I feel like we as the entire wrestling industry, the entire wrestling community has become dumber because of this rhetoric and this back and forth on social media that he spearheads. And I want to support AEW, but when they talk out of their ass and when Tony Khan acts like his shit don't stink, and same thing with Aubrey Edwards and all these other people, the Young Bucks, and acting like they're above any criticism, when things don't work out for them, I am going to laugh at it because, you know, it, it's, it reminds me a lot of the stuff I hated when I was in high school. And the people that I went to high school with were the people acting like their shit don't seem because, oh, I'm in AP class, so I'm smarter than you. I'm in a company called Ollie Wrestling. My wrestling is better than you. I'm better than you because I, I, I'm I a Meltzer mark. I'm an Alvarez mark. I'm a fucking Keller mark. <laughs> the fact that he was marking out over a report from Wade Keller just tells you everything you need to know. And that, if that gives me blackballed from AEW events, then so be it. I'm not going to come on here and kiss AEW's ass for a chance to have fucking press credentials or a, possibly a job with AEW. If an opportunity came to me, I would not say no if I wanted to work for AEW. If, if that opportunity came to me, I'm not an idiot. Of course, I would take the opportunity to learn from somebody in the wrestling industry. That's not my point. But I have an obligation to you, the people that listen to this podcast, and understand the fact that I want people to enjoy wrestling, but I have to call out people for their bullshit and call out people who try to act like they have to feel like they can't think for themselves because we have to have this herd mentality, this tribalism, all this stuff that's going on in professional wrestling and it's spear- spearheaded by this fucking Rick Moranis dude doing his fucking best Phil Emery shtick where he lashes out in the media anytime anybody criticizes him and here's the analogy of Phil Emery and Tony Khan and you guys will understand this for those who are from Chicago Phil Emery was the general manager of the Chicago Bears for a couple years during the Mark Trustman era and Phil Emery would bring in people like Jared Allen and uh, Julius, I think Julius Pepper was a Jerry Angelo thing. I could be wrong about that, but like Brandon Marshall, per se, right? Bring the Brandon Marshalls of the world, the Jared Allens of the world, the uh, Tracy Porters of the world. He would bring these random ass guys with name value come into their, to team. The team sucks on the field and he would brush away for criticism and he would go after media members privately, like the radio stations, like ESPN 1000, etc. He would lash out media members who disagree with his stance in the football team. And Phil Emery walked around like his shit don't stink. Does that ring a bell to you? AEW is not going to go where it needs to go if this dude doesn't Look yourself in the mirror and understand that Uncle Dave is not going to be around to hold his fucking hand for the next 10 or 15 years. Yeah, maybe you can rely on Alvarez because Alvarez, if you if you guys honestly believe that Brian Alvarez doesn't have a fucking agenda in his coverage, then I don't know what else to tell you.
So Tony Khan, as Eric Bischoff said, could come off as a dirt sheet reporter in interviews and have Dave Meltzer, Brian Alvarez be the filter for his creative decisions. But again, when we're down in AW in four years and there's still no identity and we're still relying on signing people that got released from WWE and then some people who are not getting paid attention to signing other promotions... You can go back to this podcast and remember what I told you. This company will not progress where it needs to, where it should go as the real alternative. And this guy doesn't act like his shit don't stink. Get a fucking clue. Focus on your fucking shit. Because you think everything that you're doing now with your your promotion is Teflon and you do no wrong. You're full of shit. You are. I don't care that gets me blackballed. I don't care what Taz says. Oh, I'm Taz, I'm, I'm the countdown show. Oh, if you're not watching the show uh, on YouTube while SmackDown's going, then you're a dumbass. No, fuck you. I can watch whatever the fuck I want to watch whatever I want to watch. Tell, tell the wrestling fans, oh, you're a dumbass if you're not watching AEW, Suzuki, and Danielson. I can watch wrestling whatever the fuck I want to watch. I can watch whichever wrestling I want to watch. This fucking high ground walking ass fucking echo chamber in Jacksonville or wherever they are for this fucking promotion where they act like their shit don't stink and they're the greatest thing that's ever lived is so funny to me. Because their entire organization is filled with insecure head cases. And on that note, that's what the hell is wrong with AEW this week. I want to say thank you everybody for hanging out with me today. I, I know this the podcast came out earlier than we usually do, but it was a special podcast with the circumstances going on. I got a busy schedule tomorrow, so I want to say thank you for hanging out with me this week. Uh, I had a blast. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Always make sure to uh, follow the show on Spotify. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a four or five star review and rating helps expand the reach of the show. Uh, make sure to bookmark ProWrestlingTranscription.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Josh Lopez Media. Instagram, JoshyLopez94. Add at Josh Lopez Music if you want to see me do guitar covers. And yeah, folks, just make sure to check out my covers on ProWrestlingTranscription.com. I got covers of the finals of the G1. We got Bound for Glory. I got the AW shows this weekend as well, which I'll do. And uh, Crown Crown Jewel tomorrow as well. So um, always want you guys to know to be the authentic product that is yourself. And always remember, nobody dictates the pace of your life but yourself. I love you guys. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy Bound for Glory. Enjoy Crown Jewel. I'll be back here to recap it next week on the podcast. And on that note, we're going to send it off to Bert Carter for this week's edition all the thoughts of Derrico. I love you guys. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll see y'all next week on the Hoots Podcast. Uh, yes, sir. And now, the thoughts of Derrico. Listen well, man. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to the segment that is the ultimate crown jewel of the Hoots Podcast. It is the thoughts of Derrico, featuring the one, the only, Brother Carter. Well, it's Wednesday night, and you know what that means. 
or Wednesday afternoon, or Wednesday, whenever you're listening, or Thursday morning, whenever you're listening to this particular podcast. We are recording the Hoots podcast on a Wednesday. And so for the thoughts of Derrico this week, uh, we're just going to go right into predictions. No! For the Crown Jewel pay-per-view that will be taking place on Thursday, October 21st. I probably won't get a chance to watch the show just because it's a Thursday during the day and I've got work and, you know, and school and stuff like that. So I'm just not going to have time to watch the show. And so I'll get the updates on my phone as Crown Jewel is coming through. And I'm sure it's going to be a terrific show. And uh, I can't wait to uh, to hear the results and and to, to find out what happens at Crown Jewel. I know they have to do it on Thursday because then they have to get back, quickly get on the flight, uh, get back to the United States for SmackDown on Friday night. So, well, hopefully there won't be any travel issues because I don't know if they can get NXT talent up to SmackDown for the show. So, will be very interesting to see what happens if they, you know, with travel and all that stuff to make sure they get back to the United States in time. You know, because yeah, you travel 24 hours, you get back, yeah, you could make it. You know, it's 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 probably a 12 p.m. show or, yeah, it's 12 noon show on Thursday. SmackDown will probably start at about 8 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, you can make it. It'll be tight, but they can make it back um, as as the life of a WWE superstar. But anyways, let's get into the card um, based on what we saw in SmackDown this weekend in uh, Raw. I'm very excited about uh, the potential matches here. Uh, they did a great job setting setting up all the feuds and stuff, so it's going to be great. So uh, I am uh, reading these in reverse order of the current card, which is listed on WWE.com. And we're starting with the finals of the King of the Ring tournament, Finn Balor versus Xavier Woods. Xavier Woods has been on this crusade to push for being King of the Ring. Uh, I'm going to say that Xavier Woods gets it, gets the job done and is your new King of the Ring. He's been wanting it for a long time, and I think he'd be a great King of the Ring. It'll be interesting to see as a face, uh, a face being the King of the Ring, but if anybody can pull it off, it is Xavier Woods. So I'm going to say that Xavier Woods is your new King of the Ring. I'd like to actually see him get in a feud with Happy Corbin at some point over King and stuff like that, so that could be kind of cool. The Queen's Crown Tournament Finals Dewdrop versus Zelina Vega in a match that I hope gets more than four minutes. Um, I think this could be great. Uh, Piper Niven is fantastic. Zelina Vega is fantastic. I'm going to take somehow, I'm going to take Zelina Vega to get the win here and be the, the first ever Queen's Crown. And again, I hope they give them more than four minutes. I hope that this is at least a 10, 12-minute match because uh, I think both these talents are fantastic. And I'm curious to see what could happen with Zelina Vega going for it and with Dewdrop too. She's obviously moved on from Eva Marie or... Um, we'll be getting close to that. So um, I think Zelina Vega is going to get your win and be the first ever Queen's Crown winner. I think that's going to be a great thing for her. Mansoor taking on Mustafa Ali. They've had kind of a feud on Raw over the last uh, few weeks. I'm going to take Mansoor to get the win. He's big and he's over, majorly over in Saudi Arabia. So I I think Mansoor is going to be able to get the win over Mustafa Ali. This should be a great match. Both of these are incredibly, very, very wonderful talents. Um, Mustafa Ali recently on the bump said that he is the most underutilized talent uh, in all of WWE. And, and I mean, he possibly so. I mean, Mustafa Ali is, is a very talented competitor. Uh, and this should be a great match with, with Mansoor. But I'm going to take Mansoor to get the win there. 
WWE Raw Tag Team Champions, RK-Bro, defending against AJ Styles and Omos. Uh, RK-Bro retains here. Don't see any reason to do a, a title match here, or a title change here. Uh, I think, you know, this is going to be a great match. They had The four of these superstars have great chemistry together, and I think it's going to be a terrific match. But I have the champions, RK-Bro, retaining in the match. Edge versus Seth Rollins. Finally settle their score inside Hell of the Cell. Uh, the the trilogy of matches, uh, the mic work of these two has been just remarkable as of late. I mean, they're both just... Uh, Seth Rollins is a future Hall of Famer, no doubt about it. He is easily one of the top performers in the world right now. And Edge is a Hall of Famer. He's incredible. Uh, Edge gets the win here uh, to complete to, to defeat Seth Rollins and finally get his victory... Uh, win the win the trilogy of matches, kind of win the rubber match there. Uh, this is going to be a war. This is going to be terrific. I love that we're getting a Hell in a Cell match, not at the Hell in a Cell pay per view. I think it's exactly what this feud needs, and I'm really, I really think this is going to be just truly remarkable. But I've got Edge winning, and finally taking care of his nemesis, Seth Rollins. Goldberg taking on Bobby Lashley in a no holds barred match, and a match that I'm not really looking forward to. Uh, you know, I love Goldberg. Goldberg is is obviously an iconic wrestler. He was incredible in WCW when I was growing up. Uh, I, I I gotta take Goldberg to get the win here. I, I I don't see a reason for him to 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 lose to Bobby Lashley, especially when we only see Goldberg ever so often, like once, twice a year. So I've got Goldberg winning here, and then we'll see what happens with the Hurt business back on Raw. But I just hope that this is a somewhat entertaining match and that we somehow are able to get something positive out of Goldberg because remember what happened the last time we went to Saudi Arabia it was rough but hopefully we'll see what happens with uh, Goldberg and Lashley in this one Smackdown Women's Champion uh, Becky Lynch defending her title versus Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks in a triple threat match this could steal the show this could be absolutely incredible on Becky Lynch's uh, the all three of these women are are Three of the best in the world. I know a lot of people think that Sasha Banks is overrated, and I'm one of them. But I also think that Sasha Banks is very talented. I really like Sasha Banks. I do think she is overrated. But I also think she is very talented as well. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that she's not one of the best female wrestlers in the world, because she is. But I don't think she's as great as everybody gives her credit for. But that's another topic for another time. Um, I've got... Ugh, this one's tough. Um... This one is tough. I'm going to say, oh gosh, I'm going to take Becky Lynch to retain here. Um, if there was a time to, to, do, to do a switch, to put it back on Bianca Belair, this would be the time to do it because then you could continue programs with them going forward. But I'm going to say Becky Lynch retains here and then you can keep building on these feuds um, back in the United States once the new rosters take effect starting on Friday night. But I'm going to take Becky Lynch to retain here, but... This could be this this could be interesting. This could be interesting for sure. Uh, Big E, uh, WWE champion Big E, defending his title against Drew McIntyre. Uh, this should be fantastic too. I've got Big E retaining. Uh, no reason to take the title off of him yet. This could be fantastic though. I mean, Big E is doing a great job as WWE champion, and we know how wonderful Drew McIntyre is. So I've got Big E retaining the WWE championship. And then finally. Roman and a match that I've been looking for forward to ever since Paul Heyman allied himself with Roman Reigns. We knew this conflict was coming. Universal Champion, the Tribal Chief, Roman Reigns, defending his title against Brock Lesnar. Now, I'm going to say Roman Reigns retains here. 
I don't see any reason for them to take the title off of Roman Reigns anytime soon. However, don't be surprised if Heyman returns to Brock Lesnar and decides to to stab Roman Reigns in the back and run off, kind of run off into the sunset with Brock Lesnar. Now, I I I, I don't think that's going to happen because I don't think you can keep the Universal Championship off of television, um, especially with how good the Tribal Chief is. You've got to have him as Universal Champion, especially with the rosters changing and all that stuff. So I've, I've got I. Logic says, and I think the logic is going to hold true, Roman Reigns retains the Universal Championship, but don't be surprised if the Beast, once again, takes his throne as Universal Champion. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Tribal Chief, we will continue to acknowledge the Tribal Chief as the absolute best wrestler in the world right now. But, so that is my prediction, but I wouldn't be shocked if there was a little swerve at the end of this show. And those are my predictions for Crown Jewel, and that's the end of the thoughts of Derrico for this week. Um, my final thought for the week is I want to tell you all I've started therapy, and um, I'm really excited about trying to dive into some of these mental health issues and trying to get better. Like I said, I'm a completely functioning, full-functioning adult, and I'm just fine. Like This is just a couple things to kind of help me understand a little bit better who I am and help me navigate some challenges. So um, I'll keep you all posted on that. Enjoy Crown Jewel. Uh, it's always a pleasure to get to interact with and to share some thoughts uh, to the wonderful audience of the Hoots podcast. And I'm always looking forward to, uh, to doing this, and I look forward to doing it next week. So enjoy Crown Jewel. We'll talk to you all soon. This has been The Thoughts of Derrico. You're smarter now, man. In dripping down his chin and between his nipples, which is he he Biggie has this infatuation with his nipples. It's 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 very fascinating. But anyways, um, so anyways, uh, then we have a little. Looks like we're gonna have a match between the two of them and the Usos later tonight. That should be great. Xavier Woods and Ricochet with another fantastic match. Both of these competitors are excellent. Uh, I'm hoping that Xavier Woods will win the King of the Ring tournament. I know he's been pushing for that on social media for a while. So we'll see if he ends up getting that opportunity. Um, I think he would be terrific at that. Uh, that'd, that'd be really fun for him to be the king of the ring. So we'll see what happens with that. Great match with him and Ricochet. Um, Ricochet is just terrific. Uh, let's see. We got a riddle Randy Orton backstage segment. <laughs> oh, that's all good stuff. Uh the Hurt Business being back, Cedric and Shelton make uh, quick work of Mustafa Ali and Mansoor. They could have a good feud, and I figured that feud was coming with Mustafa Ali and Mansoor. So we'll see what happens with that. That's going to be great. Okay, now here's another match. Dana Brooke versus Shayna Baszler. Now, Shayna Baszler beats Dana Brooke in a minute 25, which... Th- now, if you're going to do a short match, this makes sense, because Shayna Baszler is a machine. Like, she is a dominant fighting force, and I love that. So now, if you're going to do a short match, that's the one to do, not the not not the other ones that had you know like Zelina Vega's Tony Storm could have gotten ten minutes and it would have been fantastic, you know. And same thing with Carmel and Liv Morgan, that would have been great. So I don't know. Like this is this short match is actually okay, but I don't know. Uh, let's see. Almost defeats Riddle in short time, and then um, Orton hits the RKO on AJ Styles, considering a, a keeping that feud going, which I think is fine. Um, Bobby Lashley and Goldberg segment. <laughs> 
Or would you rather cheer for a guy and cut off sleeves screaming about murder? Because I think Goldberg a week ago said he was going to murder Bobby Lashley, which I was like, all right, cool. Uh, and then we're going to get Goldberg and Bobby Lashley at Crown Jewel. I'm actually not looking forward to that match, if I'm going to be honest. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I know that Goldberg's got to do his appearances, and, and they love him. Then that's going to be fine. I, I hope it's a great match. I'm not holding my breath, though, um, for that match. And I'm just ready for that feud to be over so Bobby Lashley can continue kicking ass um, doing what she does. Uh, Austin Hardy gets uh, Austin Theory gets a win over Jeff Hardy. So uh, there's a lot of really short wrestling matches this week. Now, this match was two minutes long. I don't know if there was a match that went over 10 minutes this week. I'm looking at my times here. Uh, the Usos and McIntyre went about 15, but the rest of it, not a, not a whole lot of long matches this week. Jinder Mahal beats Kofi Kingston, which I think was interesting. Uh, good match. I'm, I'm, I'm glad Jinder Mahal is getting some more time. I've always said believe in gender, don't hinder gender. So, I was, you know, Jinder Mahal gets the win, which I, which I think is interesting. Um, good match between the two of them. I enjoy that. Of course, Becky, Bianca, Sasha, and Charlotte, the four top, well, you could argue the four top females in the world right now. I don't necessarily say I would buy into that. But, you know, when you got Shayna Baszler kicking around, Rhea Ripley kicking around. But, I mean, perhaps the four biggest stars. I, I would say the four biggest stars in the women's division, no question. Um, has a slight tag match, and then they all start getting into a huge brawl, which we knew what was going to happen. Uh, Dewdrop beats Natalia. Three, three minutes match. The longest match in the women's tournament was Dewdrop against Natalia. I'm hoping this means that um, Dewdrop's going to start getting some time. Again, I'd love for her to become Piper Niven again. Um, we'll see what happens. Dewdrop versus Shayna Baszler next week. That could be awesome. And I'm looking forward to seeing that. That's going to be great. Uh, let's see. <laughs> John Morrison with Nikki Ash uh, and Rhea Ripley. I think that's funny. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And again, uh, you know, Mustafa Ali and Munts, we're going to have a match uh, feud. And I, uh, that's a long time coming and that's fine. And then, of course, Biggie, Drew McIntyre, and the Usos, a great match. And then Usos and, or, I'm sorry, Drew McIntyre and Biggie brawl to end the show. So, uh, not a bad show this week on Raw. Uh, not great, but not bad. Uh, setting up some things for Crown Jewel. And next week, I'll give my predictions for Crown Jewel, which I hope is a good show. Uh, I, it's hard to, it's hard to get a read on Crown Jewel. Um, I'll talk more about it next week uh, when I get into thoughts and the predictions and all that kind of good stuff. And those are the thoughts of Derrico this week. Uh, my final my final thought is I'm feeling much better this week. I've been you know, taking some time to reflect, and my mental health is doing much better this week. But again, folks, be sure to take care of yourself. If you need to talk to somebody, don't be afraid to talk to somebody. And everything, and you know, making sure that we're really taking care of ourselves. It's been recently Mental Health Awareness Day and Awareness Week. So just make sure that we're all taking care of our mental health so we can continue to grow and thrive as a society. This has been The Thoughts of Derrico. You're smarter now, man.